Hey everybody, welcome to Money's No Object. I'm your host, Dylan Howell. This is episode number 245 of our YouTube channel and podcast, and I cannot be more excited to continue sharing with you guys personal finance topics that I think can be useful for you in your long-term financial journey. Today, we are going to be talking about psychological biases uh, that can keep you from meeting your long-term financial potential. And I'm getting this from a CNBC article. I, I ingest a lot of uh, financial news, a lot of economic news on a day-to-day -day basis. And I ran across this article and it's the six psychological biases that may be holding you back from building wealth. And I agree a lot with it. It's written by uh, Michelle Fox, a CNBC contributor. Uh, and I just think that she kind of hit it on the head with these biases. And I want to talk a little bit more about these biases and how I think uh, they can particularly impact the life of most investors and individuals like you and me. So we're going to dig into all that and more in today's episode. Before we get started, though, if you could go down below, hit the big red subscribe button, like this video, leave me any feedback in the comments down below, and I'll be sure to respond to anything you leave down there. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify podcast, be sure to subscribe and leave me a review on either one of those platforms. Follow me on social media at MNO with Dylan, and that's really good supplemental materials to all the things that I'm putting out in these long form episodes on YouTube and the podcast every single day. And then if you need somebody to help you to build a financial plan uh, and keep you accountable to that plan over the long term, then I can do that. Uh, just DM me on any of the major social media sites uh, at MNO with Dylan uh, and tell me that you are interested in financial coaching sessions and you and I can begin working together, building financial goals that are specific to your situation and to yours and your family's needs. Uh, and then ultimately pushing you towards the attaining of those goals uh, and towards long-term financial freedom, which is what I hope for every single person who watches or listens to this show on a day-to-day -day basis. Now, why do we need to understand our psychology? Why do we need to understand our psychological biases? Because uh, if we understand our mind and how our minds work, uh, then we can better uh, figure out how to make certain behaviors happen in our financial life because our behaviors stem from how we think about the world. It stems from how we think about our money. It stems from how we think about our relationships. It stems from how we think about any number of topics, right? And so if we think about things in a certain way and we are biased in a certain way, right? Getting rid of some of those biases or working against some of those biases can help us to make some of the most rational decisions. And when it comes to money, when it comes to finances, I try to push you towards a lot of rational decision-making. I try to push you towards doing things that make a lot of sense and not things that, uh, you know, seem to just automatically be what you would naturally do because you are biased towards that particular thing. No, I want you to do the thing uh, that makes the most rational sense that will allow you to build wealth over the long term, that will allow you uh, to be able to be financially free, whatever that means in your own life, whether it means being out of debt or being able to give a lot of money away uh, or being able to uh, you know, live the retirement that you've always wanted to live, right? I want you to be able to do those things. And in order to do those things, we have to get over some of these psychological biases. And some people uh, have these biases more than others. Right? And some people fall on the total other end uh, of some of these biases. But far and away, uh, a majority of individuals have some of these biases uh, in their mind and in their uh, you know, actions, in their behaviors, in the things that they actually do. These biases actually show themselves, right? And we want to fight against them if we are going to build long-term wealth. And so I want to talk about some of them. Uh, I want to talk about these six psychological biases that uh, this article talks about, uh, and then talk about how each of those biases can impact you 
financially. So let's jump right into the first. And the first is likely the strongest uh, emotional bias that uh, would lead you to make any type of decision, and it is loss aversion. Okay, loss aversion refers to the desire to avoid any risk that could result in a loss. Okay, it could lead investors to sell something after it's fallen in price and buy more if something has gone up. Right? Loss aversion means we are averse to loss. We do not want to lose money in any case. Right? We would rather cut our losses uh, on something that you know, went down for no reason than we would take the gains on something that went up for no reason Right? because we are loss averse. Okay? A lot of our investment decisions... Uh, are based on, hey, let's not lose money, right? Warren Buffett even says it all the time. He says uh, that the number one rule of investing is don't lose money, and the second rule of investing is see rule number one, right? Don't lose money, okay? So if that is uh, the you know, epicenter of our mindset when it comes to investing, then making decisions where we actually don't lose money is a very big deal, right? And the thing is, is that we think so much about not losing that we don't focus as much on gaining, right? We don't have as strong of feelings about our gains as we do about our losses, which is very, very interesting because you can make an infinite amount of money on a particular investment, right? Let's talk about just an individual stock, right? You can buy a stock and that stock can go up by 10x, right? But if you invest in a stock and you just lose what you invested in that stock, you lose everything, right? You can only lose 100%, but you can gain hundreds and hundreds and thousands of percent uh, if you hold on to stocks long enough that are really, really good stocks and that grow over the long term, right? And so we don't think about our losses and our gains in this way because we are so loss averse, okay? And we need to get over this. We need to get over uh, this feeling and this bias uh, that losses are worse than gains are good, right? And this really explains why a lot of investors underperform the market because they're afraid of taking any losses so much so that even good investments that they make, that they take a short-term loss on, right? And not even uh, a recognized loss, not even a realized loss, just uh, a loss on paper, right? They'll turn it into a realized loss because they'll be so afraid uh, of what they're doing. They're so afraid to lose any money in what uh, they're investing their money in that they have to just get out now, right? Uh, and that's one of the biggest mistakes that people can make because some of the best opportunities to buy investments come in those short-term drops, right? And people don't think in this way. They don't think that you know something going down in value means that it's a good buying opportunity. They think something went down in value, uh, that may mean that it's bad, so I'm just gonna jump out. Now, something that can help us here is really understanding our investments, knowing what we own, right? If you know what you own, and you understand how it creates value for you over the long term, then you'll understand that based on the price that you purchased it for and you know exactly what type of investment it is, what you should expect moving forward. Okay. Now I'm not saying that you know things that go down should never be sold. Okay. I'm just saying that we have this bias towards selling things that go down more than we have a bias towards uh, buying more of those things that go down in value because they're just on sale uh, and they're just at uh, some uh, favorable price to us now. Okay. So loss aversion is the first bias and it is a very, very severe bias. That's why we have to be very clear as to what our investment goals are, what our financial goals are. And we have to use the rational part of our brain uh, to make decisions, especially when it comes to our investments. Okay. So loss aversion is the first psychological bias. The second psychological psychological bias is the endowment effect. 
Okay, people tend to value something more highly once they own it. That is the endowment effect. For instance, you may have inherited some stock from a relative or invested in an asset that's gone up in value, uh, and then you just want to hold on to that thing, or you just want to buy more of that thing. I have seen it time and time and time again. Right? I used to work as an investment advisor representative, and in doing so, right, I saw individuals who would inherit things from their parents. And they would inherit these things. And I specifically remember a, a situation where somebody inherited some Walmart stock, right? And regardless of what we thought was best for her financial situation, for her portfolio, uh, she wanted to hold on to that Walmart stock and wanted to, uh, you know, keep making the dividends off of that Walmart stock because that's what uh, her mom and dad had done. And I'm not saying that this is always a bad thing that we uh, think of these investments in this way because sometimes it can be beneficial to us, but sometimes it's just irrational. It makes no sense. It makes no sense uh, that we should just be holding on to things just because we've seen somebody else do it, right? We have this emotional attachment uh, that just because something worked for someone else that it should also work for us, right? And we have this thought process that uh, if you know somebody close to us has done something, uh, then we should be doing it too, uh, especially if it's somebody who we looked up to and respected very much. And even more than that, right on a, on a more granular level, right once you own a stock or once you own uh, some investment, it's very very difficult. Uh, to sell an investment once it's made you a lot of money, right? We've talked before about why the sell decision is one of the most difficult decisions that we make financially over time. It's difficult to determine when to sell something. And the reason that it's difficult to determine when to sell something is because it can still go up in value, right? And that's the uh, thought process that we get with the endowment effect is that we think that things are just going to keep going up in value because they have in the past. And we don't think rationally about their ability to make money for us moving forward, right? We become emotional emotionally invested in whatever we are financially invested in. And that is a problem, right? And if something takes up a big portion of your portfolio, right? It also means a lot more risk, right? It means a lot more risk in your portfolio. So we take on unnecessary risk because we feel really good about something, right? In that situation where I was talking about an individual being really stuck on Walmart stock, right? That particular stock uh, took up a large portion of uh, their portfolio. And in doing so, right, uh, that portfolio was not properly diversified, right? Because there was a lot that was just in Walmart stock. And given that that's the case, then that person was taking on a lot more single stock, individual company risk than was absolutely necessary. Now, even though it's Walmart and it's a company that um, is you know widely looked at as uh, something that is favorable to invest in, I understand, and it has done good for a lot of investors over time, right? Taking a lot of single stock risk can be problematic, and the endowment effect makes us do this. Now, another piece of this is that if it doesn't work out, it means I'm wrong, right? I want to be right, so I'm going to stick it out, okay? So what does this mean? This means that uh, we may be in a situation where we buy something and we get emotionally attached to that thing that we buy. Maybe it goes up in the short term or whatever, right? And then we see it really dive and maybe even dive below uh, the price that uh, it previously was at. And we'll just hold on to it. And we'll just think, yeah, it's going to come back. It's, you know, we like this. It's going to come back. Uh, because if it doesn't, then it means that you are wrong. And the last thing that we want as investors is to be wrong. But we have to, again, think rationally about our choices and make sure that we have the right mix of assets. We have to have proper diversification, proper asset allocation uh, for our risk tolerance and for our particular situation. And in having that, right, we can fight against the endowment effect and this effect um, that will make us 
hold on to things when we shouldn't be holding on to them just because uh, we got attached to them emotionally, okay? So that is the endowment effect. That is the second of our psychological biases that we're gonna cover today. Now, what is another psychological bias uh, that we have when it comes to our financial lives? It is the sunk cost fallacy, okay? So this occurs when you keep investing money in a losing project because of prior investments you've made, such as spending $2,000 repairing a car that keeps breaking down. You don't wanna buy a new car because of how much money you've already put into the vehicle. Okay, so this really comes into play, uh, let's say when you've purchased a, a stock or bought a particular investment that you believe in, okay? And this investment turns out to be a dud, okay? It turns out to be something that you maybe didn't do your proper um, you know, evaluation of, your proper analysis of, or maybe you did do your proper analysis and it just didn't turn out right. But you, ha you just keep saying in your mind, man, this is going to turn around, this is going to turn around. And you keep pouring money into it as it drops and drops and drops in value in the same way that uh, if you have a car that keeps breaking down, it keeps dropping and dropping and dropping in value, yet you keep pouring money into it. Okay, you don't need to dwell on your bad decisions. That's what uh, the sunk cost fallacy is doing, right? You are dwelling on the fact that you have made a bad decision and you're trying to make that bad decision into something good. Well, sometimes you can't turn a bad decision into something good. Sometimes you can't turn something around. Sometimes it's out of your control. Okay, you can't just keep pouring money into something just because you've poured money into it in the past. Okay, it's only going to lead to more losses uh, and more trouble for you moving forward. Okay, so focus only on what your best course of action is, only your best rational course of action moving forward. Because if you don't focus on the best course of action and you just keep dwelling on uh, the things that have lost money and the things that uh, you want to turn around, then you're going to miss a lot of things in your financial life uh, that would otherwise be beneficial to you, that would otherwise be uh, the thing that you should do. Obviously, uh, you know, we don't just want to talk about investing on the show. So uh, in a situation where you keep having to repair a car and the costs are getting really high and you're like, well, I've put all this money into it already. What's another couple thousand dollars? What's another thousand dollars? Another 500, whatever, right? At some point, you have to make the decision for yourself as to what is rational and what makes the most sense. Okay, and so you may have to go and buy a new or a used car uh, in order to fulfill your needs for transportation, right? It may be the rational thing to do, or maybe it's the rational thing to do to fix the car, okay? But you have to make those types of decisions for yourself and not just keep pouring money into something that is going to keep getting worse. It's going to keep going down in value. And we do this in our investments. We do this in any type of asset that we own because uh, we feel like, in you know finally saying okay let me uh, you know sell this car or let me buy something new uh, or you know let me get rid of this investment and buy something new with that money that we are admitting that we did something wrong and we're admitting uh, that those losses are real and you kind of are right you're you're locking in certain losses that you wouldn't have locked in otherwise but. Uh, if you don't lock in those losses and go ahead and move into something that is rational, that is a good investment for the long term for you, or you know, move on to a new car or a used car, right? That would be uh, more useful to you than the car that keeps breaking down. If you don't move into those things, then you're likely to just take more losses, right? And we don't think of things this way because we want to make our money work in the positive direction. But again, there are only so many things that we can do sometimes in order to make that happen. And so don't get caught up 
in the sunk cost fallacy. Don't get caught up in the fact that just because you poured money into something that it should end up working out because that is not the case, at least not in a rational basis. Again, this is all about being rational and making rational decisions in our investing and in uh, our financial lives. And the sunk cost fallacy leads us into irrationality like these other biases do. Now, what about the next bias? That's the third bias, the sunk cost fallacy. Then what about the fourth, the status quo bias? This is when you do nothing because you're afraid of a negative outcome. Even though the decision may be worth the risk, it's considered a status quo bias. Okay, A lot of people do this, and they do this in so many different parts of their financial lives. They fixate on the thing that's going to cause a negative emotion and that gives you justification for not doing anything. Right. And so many people do this with the stock market. It makes me sick. Right. It makes me sick how many people go. The possibility of some loss, the possibility of some short term negative action uh, in price in the stock market is enough to keep people away over the long term. It's enough to keep people away from investing their money and making uh, a lot of money on what they invest, right? And building long-term wealth. It can keep them from doing that. Why? Because we act irrationally. We would rather things just stay the same and things be uh, predictable and things be the way that we think they should be uh, than take some risk, which may be a perfectly good risk, a perfectly calculated risk, and do something a little different in our lives that we can totally afford to do. We can totally afford to take on these risks in many, many cases, but we choose not to. And in choosing not to, we miss out on a lot of the potential return that we could have made. For instance, you may hold on to a stock that has lost value because you don't want to take a loss. Again, uh, this is you know kind of a part of the sunk cost fallacy, but that would be pouring more money into uh, you know, the stock that you've taken a loss on, but just holding on to that stock that's lost value because you don't want to take a loss, right? You would rather things stay the same rather than taking a chance and doing something different uh, and changing up your financial life a bit for the better, okay? That's what we want to be doing. If we are going to do anything in our financial life, we want it to be for the better. And sometimes, maintaining the status quo is not the best thing that we can do. I've said many times that having patience and doing nothing is a very, very powerful part, especially of investing, but it's a very powerful part of your financial life as a whole. Okay. I've said that many times, but there are definite times for action. Okay. There are definite times when it is time to make a change. It's time to do something different. Right? And we can't get so caught up in the things that we've done in the past that we would rather just uh, sit in our stink, sit in our mistakes, uh, and not make changes. Okay, We want to do something, in, even in, in spite of the possible negative outcome. We want to do something, take the risk, do something uh, in order to make our future selves better. Do the rational thing. Do the thing that is likely to make you the money, that is likely to further your goals towards the future, okay? Uh, we don't want to be doing things that are going to just get us stuck in a rut uh, and get us stuck in a place where, uh, hey, we're holding on to something that we don't need to be holding on to. Or we're making decisions uh, that you know we shouldn't be making. I see this other application of the status quo bias all the time as well, and it's individuals with their mortgages, okay? A lot of people take out 30-year mortgages, and some people take out 30-year mortgages and they have the money to pay the mortgage on a 15-year mortgage. So I ask, why, why not just pay it on a 15? Oh, well, you know, what if you know, this were to happen or that were to happen and we didn't have the money uh, to cover the 15-year mortgage? Why don't we just take the 30 and pay it like a 15, which doesn't happen, 
right? Why, you know, why don't we just do that? And then we don't have to worry about the possibility of not being able to pay on the 15 year mortgage. Too many people say that too many people make that type of decision when they have the money, they have the ability to take the small risk, right? The minuscule risk of paying their mortgage off in 15 years, which turns out to be a very positive thing in your financial life, paying your mortgage off early because millionaires on average just happen to pay their mortgages off in about 10 years, right? So they fail to take the risk because they like the status quo. They like what their payment is now. They're really comfortable with a 30-year mortgage. They like to just sit and wallow in the fact that they can make that payment. And that ends up not being the best thing for them over the long term. People make uh, these status quo type decisions, right? They want to just stick with what they've always done because what they've always done is what they've always done. They don't stick with what they've always done because it is best. They stick with what they've always done because it is comfortable, right? And that is the status quo bias. And that can lead people to a place where they're not able to build long-term wealth. And that's not what I want for you guys. Make the appropriate decisions, but also know when to sit back and wait and sit back and let things happen because... Uh, a lot of magic happens when you actually let the magic happen, okay? So that is the fourth psychological bias that we deal with. Now, what about the fifth psychological bias? Well, the fifth psychological bias uh, when it comes to our ability to build wealth is the bandwagon effect, okay? This is where just because everyone is buying something doesn't mean it's right for you, yet people feel safer following a crowd. And boy, did we see this during the pandemic. Boy, do we see this all the time. Okay, but think about the meme stocks. Think about uh, this phenomenon with AMC and GameStop. Think about Bitcoin. Think about Tesla stock, right? Think about all these big run-ups in price that we've seen over the past year, year and a half uh, that have really caused people to go, hey, I want to be a part of that. I want to do some of that. I want to invest in that way. I want to put my money to work. I want to speculate in this particular thing, right? This is the bandwagon effect. It's the fear of missing out, right? The bandwagon effect is nothing more than FOMO. It's the fear of missing out. It's the fear of other people making money and you not making money as well. Individual investors piled into these different investments uh, by being prompted by social media or even less, right? And many, many, many of them lost money amid the volatility in these different asset classes, right? You hear about people who make money on these very risky things, and that entices you to become a part of it, right? You don't want other people to be making money and you to miss out on the ability to do so, especially in large amounts, right? So you feel like you may have missed them. And so you feel like you may have missed the boat, right? The fear of regret is inducing a lot of people to make investment decisions and speculation decisions, especially speculation decisions that are not wise, right? This is that bandwagon effect right? You see everybody else doing it, you want to do it, right? You see everybody else has a nice car, you want to go buy a nice car, even though it's not the rational thing to do, right? You see that uh, everybody else is wearing nice clothes, you want to go buy nice clothes because you see everybody else doing it again, not because it is the right or rational thing to do. And with our investments, this is so, so huge. It is very, very easy to invest in the things that you see people talk about on TV. It's very, very easy uh, to speculate in things that you see other people, your friends, your family making money in, but it does not mean that it's right. It's not the rational way forward. Right? That's why I tell you guys all the time uh, that even though the short-term volatility and the gains that people have made uh, in things like Bitcoin and Tesla and all these different volatile assets, GameStop, AMC, all these things, right? Even though the short-term gains that they've made have been colossal, have been huge, 
right? So for some people, again, a lot of people have taken losses, uh, but some of these short-term gains have been huge. Uh, that is not indicative of what you are likely to expect over the long term following the same path, right? Trying to do the same thing over and over again. That's why when I talk to you about index funds and I talk to you about the ability to make, uh, you know, 8, 9, 10, 11% a year and why that is a good sustainable annualized rate of return that you could receive, uh, why that is a good thing. And people think that that's chump change and they think that only boomers invest that way. But let me tell you, if you get caught up in this bandwagon effect, you may make money in the short term. You definitely may, right? But you can 100% be assured that you're going to take some big losses when you make some big bets. And if you fail uh, to do your analysis when you are trying to invest, or if you just go about speculating all the time, you just go about gambling all the time, right? A lot of gamblers end up with a lot less money than they began with. And that's not what we want in our investing lives. We want to build wealth, not lose it. So don't just jump on the bandwagon for every uh, you know thing that comes along that's shiny and new, okay? So that is the fifth psychological bias. Now, what about the last, the, the sixth psychological bias uh, that we're going to talk about today that can keep you from building wealth. It is the confirmation bias. People often seek out information that confirms their previously held beliefs. Okay, so people go, and, and I think we're all a bit um, you know, prone to do this, right? We're prone to, to go and, and try to find things. And in the, the social media sites, they even uh, you know, push this into our face, right? They push confirmation bias onto us. Uh, because uh, we look and we go, okay, I'm interested in, you know, let's say something for myself. I'm interested in bow hunting, right? I, I like bow hunting. Well, uh, if I'm interested in bow hunting and, I, and that's something that, uh, you know, I want to watch some YouTube videos on, well, guess what? YouTube is going to start suggesting bow hunting videos. And this confirmation bias, even though it's about bow hunting, right? It's going to be a lot of pro bow hunting type things. Right. Or, you know, even on a different level, if you watch Fox News, right, and uh, you were watching Fox News clips on YouTube, right? Well, YouTube's going to keep feeding you Fox News clips. Well, they're not going to be feeding you many MSNBC or CNN clips. They're going to keep feeding you Fox News clips, which will continue in the process of confirmation bias and uh, making you more and more polarized. Right. Any other view from that view that will confirm your beliefs right? We'll create a negative emotional response and you will have to reevaluate your position, right? It's important to get your information from a variety of sources so that you can make informed decisions. And this is not just true uh, in your investing, but it's true in all parts of life, right? You can find uh, some positive thing to say about a company, about a stock, right? And you can find something positive to say about uh, any type of investment strategy. You absolutely can, okay? But is it the best way forward? That's a question that you have to ask yourself. And is it the most rational thing that you could be doing uh, now in order to build long-term wealth? Is it the right path in order to build long-term wealth? These are things that you have to ask yourself, right? So you need to get a lot of information from a lot of different places, weigh the pros, weigh the cons, understand the risks, understand the benefits of making certain decisions, and then go about doing the thing that you want to do, right? It's very easy to fall into one line of thinking. Uh, and I understand this as well as anybody, right? Because I've told you guys before, I'm a big proponent of uh, Dave Ramsey, what he does, getting people out of debt and all those types of things, right? And many would say that my financial action plan looks a lot like uh, Dave Ramsey's baby steps. But uh, I disagree with some of the things that Dave uh, has said. And I'm not just constantly getting my uh, you know, biases confirmed, I wanted to go out and see what is actually best and what is actually causing people uh, to build wealth and causing people to be financially successful over the long term. So I switched some things up, 
right? You have to make decisions based on a variety of sources. You have to go and see what the good is, see what the bad is, and then weigh your risks and make your good decision. Uh, one way or the other, you have to make decisions, especially when it comes to your investing. You have to make proper decisions. And if you're investing in individual companies, individual stocks, uh, then you have to go through this process many, many times. Uh, and hopefully you're not listening too much to the outside world, but you're getting all the information that you can from a variety of sources, uh, really clumping it all together and making the best, most informed decision that you can for yourself and not just having uh, your uh, biases confirmed time and time and time again, because a, a confirmed bias bias can allow us to um, you know, invest in something and just hold it and hold it and hold it because uh, you know, you're constantly getting your biases confirmed. Or it can lead you to think so strongly about something just because you're constantly getting your biases confirmed. Uh, I've seen several individuals who are just so uh, you know, sold on certain stocks. One that, uh, you know, since it's been really hot, it's something that you see. Uh, a lot of people get caught up on Tesla stock. And I'm not saying that it's not a good long-term investment. It's not what I'm suggesting. I'm just saying uh, that they're such big bulls on it, right? They think it's going to go just higher and higher and higher for no reason, right? They think that it, it is destined to go higher even when it's already gone super, super high, right? And it's just because they're looking at things, they're looking for reasons to have their biases confirmed. They're looking for reasons for it to go higher and higher and higher, uh, and they will keep uh, running those particular lines on their videos or their blogs or uh, whatever they are uh, you know, publishing this type of uh, you know, opinion in. So uh, we don't want our biases continuously confirmed. We want to get our information from a lot of different sources and make the best rational decision for ourselves. Okay, I just thought that this was important. I thought that it was a very good article. I think it's very, very important uh, that we take to heart the things that are biases within us and that we actually pay attention to them, especially when they can be holding us back from making good financial decisions. I want you to make good financial decisions. I know you want you to make good financial decisions, okay? So what we have to do is understand where we may be biased, make changes, right? Put some safeguards in place to keep us from making biased decisions, and then always focus on the most rational thing that we can do, especially in our investing and financial lives that will allow us to build wealth over the long term. And that's why I set forth the financial action plan for you guys, because I think it's a pretty rational, um, you know, just walk through financial steps that will allow you to get uh, to some semblance of long-term financial freedom and hopefully to wealth building that will uh, allow you to be financially free and meet the financial goals that you have for yourself over the long term. So thanks for watching this video. If you could go down below, hit the big red subscribe button, like this video, leave me any feedback in the comments down below, and I'll be sure to respond to anything you leave down there. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify podcast, be sure to subscribe and leave me a review on either one of those platforms. Follow me on social media at MNO with Dylan, and that's really good supplemental materials to all the things that I'm putting out in these long form episodes on YouTube and the podcast every single day. And then if you need somebody to help you to build a financial plan and keep you accountable to that plan over the long term, then I can do that. Just DM me on any of the major social media sites and tell me that you are interested in financial coaching and you and I can begin working together in creating financial goals that are specific to your life and then helping you to meet those financial goals and ultimately pushing you towards long-term financial freedom, which is what I hope for every single individual who's watching or listening to this show on a daily basis. So tune in Monday as I continue talking about personal finance topics that I think could be useful for you in your long-term financial journey. So thanks for tuning into this episode of Money's No Object. I'm your host, Dylan Howell. God bless.